1: Today on the Zabecast, do we really need live sports after all or just good computer simulations with the real announcers keeping us company? Andy Poland joins me and guess what? His sports takes have been deemed essential. We talk about all the ways the old college basketball games were in stark contrast to today. All that plus some sage life advice from Tony Soprano. Your Corona Apocalypse Boredom Buster is hot and fresh, so buckle up and let's go!
0: Here we go!
1: Tuesday, March twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Thank you for joining me. Let's begin with a little bit of advice from Tony Soprano during these times. This one of the great. One of the many great scenes in The Sopranos when there was a storm that knocked out power and they huddled together at Artie Bucco's restaurant to share a meal with the family. Oh, my God, Artie,
0: you saved our friggin' lives about- here.
1: Beautiful, Ollie. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. Enjoy. Ah, oh, fuck. Hey. hey! You said Frigg? Hey!
2: Now, wait a minute. I'd like to propose a toast to my family.
1: Someday soon, you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky, you remember the little moments like this
2: that were good. Cheers.
1: There you go, Tony Soprano. Good advice as we navigate our current crazy world over the weekend they ran a NASCAR race on a simulator and they had actual drivers on full-blown simulation rigs in their homes and they had real announcers actually calling the race (laughs) it actually wasn't terrible if you take a look at it and it makes me think well what really is watching a sporting event yes we want to see the outcome of it of course we're gambling on it for sure, many of us are. But so much of it, and what feels so good about this, about the FS1 NASCAR iRacing broadcast, is that it was just good to hear from familiar voices. Longtime voice of NASCAR, Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, along with pit reporter Larry McReynolds. Uh, here, Here is a little clip from the fake race that was broadcast uh, on FS1 over the weekend. And by the way, There are, uh, this was at the Homestead Miami Speedway, at least on the uh, simulator. And this is something that, you know, NBC Sports Washington is now doing. Uh, They're carrying uh, simulated games on television of the Wizards and the Capitals. I had a listener say that he is watching simulated computer-run games on his Xbox for MLB The Show. (laughs) And it's just funny. It's funny because w- what else are we going to do, right? This
0: day's gone from good to bad. To <laughs>
2: no, oh, come man. on. I'm destroyed. I'm going in for my first redo, boys. That, that-, that is not good. I mean, lap-
1: Oh, come on.
2: ...we in. Already on the first...
0: 21.
1: You know, the graphics, by the way, are pretty damn good. Jimmy on old tires. Back from the
2: restroom break, he was... Too
1: eager. <laughs> and on and on it went. We'll see how much more legs this has as the lockdown drags on. But bottom line is, it wasn't as bad or as cheesy as I thought it might be. And then here's one more little bit of audio nugget for you. And this is <laughs> this is gold. There is a cut-up, a montage that was collected by Barstool Sports of Italian mayors... Yelling at their residents to get inside. Don't have uh, hold on a second, let me get rid of that. There you go. A little bit rough today. I'll I'll admit that. We will send the police over with flamethrowers. This is the translation.
0: I'm
1: Domani, that's tomorrow. I will catch you. Not in a year, tomorrow.
0: Sul mio territorio non si passeggia.
1: I'm the mayor, and you will not stroll in my town. Non vi posso impedire formalmente di
0: uscire da casa. Bene, vi impedisco di passare sul suolo pubblico.
1: I'm gonna address you all. Where the fuck are you all going? Which must have an inflamed prostate. Ping pong can't play ping pong. This is crazy. So it's an Italian town with the ocean in the background. Nobody is around, and there's two meatheads playing ping pong out in what looks like an open public park.
0: La PlayStation. Siccome io sono in sindaco di questa città, in questa città il decreto lo faccio rispettare io. Quindi, scusa. Se devi andare a casa adesso, non voglio le scuse. Tutti, dovete stare tutti a casa. Devi andare
1: this goes on for like another minute basically just a super cut of mayors cussing out their citizens ah god if it comes to that here god help us all time for andy poland everybody Ah, <laughs> uh, Andy, 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 good to talk to you, brother. So we try to keep some sense of normalcy and routine yeah. during these incredible times.
2: Mm. So, what are you doing? How are you uh, How are you operating? I know one show you do from home anyway. What about the other?
1: I do them all from home. I've been doing uh-huh. them all from home for a while now. Yeah. So it's it's actually been business as usual for me. Um, but yeah, how about yourself? Are you going in to six 30 AM the DC sports Capitol?
2: <laughs> yep. And I've even got a letter in case I'm stopped by police. If we ever go to the lockdown or whatever they do, which says I'm essential personnel and I essential, have
1: <laughs> that is the first time your shitty takes have ever been be- declared <laughs> essential. Pardon my
2: French. <laughs> oh, no argument here. That's uh, yeah, I mean. Here we are uh, talking about sports that aren't existing right now. I know it's, uh, it's crazy.
1: How do you feel? How do you feel about going in, venturing out of your house, and and going into a public place where who knows what's floating around? Do you feel good about that?
2: You've known me a long time. You've chided me for crossing the street uh, where there isn't a stoplight. So you ain't you ain't,
1: my... ain't skird.
2: No. And okay. You, you know my history on on sickness too. Oh,
1: you've been you've been very healthy. There's no question yeah. about it. See now here's. This is an interesting point. Well, maybe it's not. It's a point I'm going to make you, the listener, can tell me if it's interesting or not. This is an important point. Andy is going into work happily to do radio with his permit. Uh, By the way, I I assume you got – this is from FEMA. You got your ID and a letter saying you're essential, yeah?
2: Correct, yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's same as what's been issued to us uh, Mm -hmm. at other stations. So you are not – going to live your life scared you are healthy and you are going out in the world knowing full well there's a possibility of catching there's a possibility of a bad outcome there's a lot of possibilities in life you could also drive into a truck while you're on your way to work you understand that you accept that you're okay with that well at the same time i'm sure you're taking the whole situation very seriously and you're not out flaunting you know the recommendations to hunker down and stay away from people right
2: No, no. I mean, I I try to go out today. It's raining, but I try to go out when it's nice and get a little exercise. I did a bike ride on Saturday, but I didn't try and get down to the cherry blossoms and and rub shoulder to shoulder with everybody. How,
1: How about that, huh?
2: Yeah. Uh, Larry Hogan wigged out on that kind of stuff today, and he's going to put an end to that. Um, How can
1: he? Well, Hogan can't because that's the District of Columbia. Oh,
2: yeah. But similar gatherings in Maryland, they'll break them up. That's, you know, they'll be just like it did in West Side Story Officer Krupke. Hey, boys, break it up here. Break it up here. Everybody go home. Krupke. Krupke. So uh, so, there's that. I went to the grocery store yesterday at 6 a.m. And? and uh, was well, it a
1: madhouse at 6 a.m. on Sunday? No, it, it
2: okay. wasn't, but there were no paper products. Like The shelves completely cleaned out, which is, uh, I know you, it's been going on for a while. But you know there's a website,
1: weird. by the way, called HowMuchToiletPaper.com? Oh, yeah? You can calculate was, how long estimated it will be before you run out of toilet paper based on your daily trips to the toilet.
2: Hmm. no okay how many uh, rolls you
1: got on you right now
2: uh i don't know probably a dozen something
1: like that whoa, <laughs> oh, you're living dangerous brother
2: <laughs> maybe more i don't know uh,
1: you're not worried about it apparently yeah. apparently there are cut up um there are cut up t-shirts that are clogging the septic systems or the, oh, yeah. the drainage systems, the, the municipalities, there is going to be, this is, this is a, this is a storm of a lifetime, an economic storm of a lifetime. It's a health crisis storm of a lifetime. And while we're going to get over it, the fucking devastation is going to take a long ass time to pick up the pieces.
2: No question about it. I mean, this, you know, I, I, I felt you're a little younger than I am, but I've lived a, a pretty charm life in terms of dealing with, Disasters. I mean, the, the in between the Kennedy assassination, when I was five years old, and nine eleven, nothing of huge significance. And then you know this has come along, and you know my father, and I guess probably your parents too. They lived through World War Two. Yeah, it was a different different era, and you had rationing, and there were things that you had to adjust to. And this is ours. This is what we are going to have to live through.
1: Yeah, this is definitely this is nine eleven on steroids. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, in in multiple ways. Do you remember the nuclear you know fears of the 70s because i do as a kid i mean they would have drills you know nuclear drills in elementary school spring hill elementary where you would get under your desk as if that would make one fucking lick of a difference
2: Uh, yeah as a matter of fact that we had that too going under the desk now 10 years before you we also had these color assignments and from time to time there would be a drill where we would go out on the blacktop and you would have to line up according to what your color was. And I'm thinking, if somebody wanted to drop a bomb on you, you're all organized out there on the playground. I (laughs) I didn't really know how that works, but somehow they thought that was safe.
1: So let's see. After the sonic flash of light, the shockwave that follows, you think kids are going to remember if they're blue, green, (laughs) or fucking red? No.
2: I don't know. Well, we we were given, as I remember, a, a... a little cutout of colored paper that we were supposed to keep in our desk so we would remember what color we were.
1: Oh, yeah, but <laughs> kids are going to lose that. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's uh, yeah, all I kids
1: I, do is they lose yeah. stuff. Yes, that's mm. why when I was in elementary school with the important papers that had, had to get home to mom, they mm. would bobby pin it to your shirt.
2: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs>
1: like here, you can't lose it. It's tagged to your shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you remember the polio scares of the nineteen fifties?
2: Uh, no, but I remember the, the vaccine, uh, that I got for that. And, uh, I think it was, it was something that stayed on my arm as a scar for some time. Um, right. and, uh, the sugar cubes for smallpox, they would put the vaccine in that for some, you know, but yeah, yeah.
1: smallpox was a big deal. No question mm-hmm. about it. Chickenpox pox was not a big deal. And I remember getting that as a kid. You yeah. Get it's it-
2: bad when you're an adult though.
1: Uh, Yes, it is. That's why it's good to get it as a kid because you get over it even better. Well, anyway, we carry on. The band plays on despite all this, and people come to this podcast for a little bit of something normal. I want to play the following, and then we're going to talk about it. This was from a game you may remember, and you might have seen a bit of the replay on Saturday. The game was put in his hands. Rick Pitino said of his four seniors, when asked why they stuck around, the great around Vern Lundquist, oh. Palfrey oh. Feldhouse. Had no place else to go. Some little white guy with a mustache. Feldhouse
2: and Farmer grew up in Kentucky. Sean Woods in Indianapolis. That's Travis Ford, the mustache guy. You know, yeah, the it
1: was. Len no, Elmore, I, how about that? Yeah, Len Elmore. If I pause, by the way, in this, the 92 regional final, Duke versus Kentucky, arguably the greatest college basketball game ever played, or is it not even? Arguably?
2: Mm, it's, it's, it's in the discussion. Uh, the Maryland-NC State ACC title game 74, also a classic.
1: Okay, no. And this was in the peak of the cable television age, 1992. Mm-hmm.
2: Although this was CBS. This was, uh,
1: this was network, right, but exactly.
0: Yeah. ...and call a quick timeout so they can get in better shooting range. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Yes!
1: <laughs> now listen, we're at one 32 on the clock here. Thomas Hill hands on head in total disbelief. Duke players dogpiling everybody. Kentucky players in shock disbelief. Grand Hill, not guarded, to Leitner, who had the presence of mind not just to turn around, Andy, and jack up some wild-ass shot, took one hard bounce, a pivot, and a calm, composed 15-footer. Yep,
2: yeah, yep. Yeah, well, fourth-year senior, arguably... Oh, by, the, by the way,
1: there's Shashevsky the- giving a young Rick Patino uh a handshake but it it's not a very it's not a very warm handshake patino <laughs> kind of looks over is like okay yeah good game
2: <laughs> yeah well
1: go ahead you can so talk over the, this i want to i want to time stamp how long the announcers laid out on this but go ahead oh,
2: Vern's the best of this but leitner fourth year senior the only college player who was on the dream team so those those guys don't exist anymore in college basketball a guy wouldn't stay Four years for that to have the presence of mind to play. The other thing that struck me in watching the replay is Rick Pitino, despite not putting somebody on the inbounder uh, Grant Hill uh, on this in this game, is a hell of a coach. you, of you look at who's on the you look at who's on the floor for them. They, they got one should NBA not player.
1: right and and the uh, Blue Devils had four, actually oh, five. I think they had not, five. Leightner Leitner and Hurley, Lang yeah. and Hill. Uh, I'm trying to think who the fifth guy was, but yeah.
2: No, no. Matt Mashburn was the only NBA player. Feldhaus and Martinez yeah. and little
1: Travis. Jamel Moore. Martinez, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. These guys are not even close to NBA. So you not only had great college players on you had some of the greatest of all time. Hill and Leitner and Hurley are three of the top 20. Uh, Hill was so good that when he was a senior and Leitner and Hurley were in the NBA, he put that Duke team on his back and got him to the final game. That, right. that, that's, that's an unbelievable coaching job that Rick Pitino did in that game. He almost knocked off one of the great college teams of all time.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, a minute and six seconds unofficially layout time for the great Vern Lundquist along with Len Elmore. I yeah. mean, how, how good is that, you know?
2: Yeah, well, what what if he had Vital along? Would he have been able to shut oh, him up for that sensational,
1: long? sensational! Unbelievable!
2: That's <laughs> incredible! Look at these turkeys there! Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you. So oh, you have had you had a guy in Vern Lundquist, one of the best of all time, with M- Len Elmore, who is a Harvard Law School grad. Pretty smart guy. And they knew that the pictures told the story.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the truck just cut their mics.
2: No, I don't think they had to. I think Vern okay. is, is is just, you know, the Scully stories are legendary, you know, like when uh the, the uh, Hank Aaron home run uh, to break the Babe Ruth's record, he walked over, made himself a cup of coffee uh to, to lay out, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Really?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, walked off the microphone to go make a cup of coffee.
2: Yeah, yeah, cuz he knew the pictures were going to tell the story.
1: <laughs> is that sure. is that a is that true?
2: Yeah, and Vin Scully told it himself. He said that's what he did.
1: Why, that's the truth, if I tell you. I would never make something like that up.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, he did. Uh, (laughs) Here's a good one. So apparently Super 70s Sports uh, allowed Christian Leitner to destroy a new generation of Kentucky fans. Here is a couple of kids who are Kentucky fans watching this game with their dad for the first time. No, you didn't win, kid.
2: You didn't win? <laughs> <laughs> Everything old is new again, right? You
0: did. I was a hero, and you got it right here, and then it didn't count. I know,
1: but yeah, it did, did count. You already ran out. I can't believe it. Can oh, you? not know what to watch. She stood up.
2: Ah, the kid kicks his pillow. Oh, my God,
1: is that funny you know, as hell.
2: Not only that, I, I don't think in 92, even if Leitner had gotten that shot off ticked late, I don't think that was reviewable in those days.
1: Uh, no, well, and, and that's one of the many things that's so great about these old games. No <laughs> fucking replay.
2: <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Hey, you know, one one more thing on Krzyzewski. This He did such a Krzyzewski thing after this game, the radio announcer for Kentucky at the time was k Ledford, who had yes. been doing their games for like 40 years. Oh, k
1: Ledford, who yeah. who sounded just like his name would imply he sounded. And
2: that's right. He was doing those all-white Kentucky teams back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and so Shashevsky uh, went over and sat down with him and tried to console the Kentucky fans.
1: No by way. Telling
2: him, oh, yeah. Look it up. He's like, uh, I just want everybody listening in the blue grass state to you know Kwin that we just had a classic basketball game and nobody right. deserved to lose and right. the whole whole schmaltz thing. He laid it on pretty thick. Right.
1: Uh, who was it for Kentucky that banked it in to take the lead from straight away? It, oh. it was a bad shot and it was just like, it was kind of like a straightaway brick that went in off the bank.
2: Might've been Pelfrey, but I'm not sure. Mm,
1: no, it was like no. their point guard who decided midway through the season Or finally realized he's not a scorer, so he started Mm. passing more, and that helped them take off. It'll come to me here in just a second. Back to Vern, though. Vern Lundquist has now called in his life that play, the Leitner shot, the kick six field goal return, Auburn, Alabama, the most storied rivalry in college football. The Tiger Woods chip in at 16, his hole at the Masters, with the ball pausing on the rim to show its Nike swoosh ass and all in his lifetime, Uncle Vern, those three plays,
2: Unbelievable. And, and Nicholas, Nicholas, eighty six. Yeah, maybe. He, yes, sir.
1: Yeah,
2: no, he's 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 not. He, he not only has found himself in the most opportune moments, he's made the absolute most of them with the perfect call. It's 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 a, it's unbelievable. It is,
1: it is amazing that he knows just how to punctuate it and to keep it simple and get out of the way. Maybe. Yes, sir. Perfect in your life perfect the
2: words just come to him it's amazing
1: yeah here do you want to hear the kick six kick six Vern. thank god youtube is open uh, and <laughs>
2: you're like those, YouTube, those 70s if you, greatest hits albums that they play on, on PBA. 56 charter it's got no does not have the leg and oh. Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. This is local. He'll run it local. the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to
1: win the football game. He ran the miss. he back. He ran it. Back. That's the Auburn call right there.
2: Who died? That guy died in a car accident a couple of years he ago. He did, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh. By the way.
1: When all this comes back, it's going to be so glorious, you know? Yeah. yeah. When it all comes, it, it will all come back. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be all uh, sunshine and roses. Here we go. Old Timmy Brandover, buddy. Eli Gold, the longtime play-by-play man of the Crimson Tide. You heard what Rod Bramlett had to say from Auburn. How about Eli Gold's call? Listen to this.
2: Eli, yeah, speechless there.
1: <laughs> Hold on. Fifty-seven yards to win the Iron Bowl. Fifty-seven. He wasn't gonna fucking make this. Yeah, that was Nick
2: Saban being it's pretty ballsy.
1: Eh, not necessarily Eli gold's best work right no but
2: but didn't didn't it, it, he homered it, but not to the you know oh my God, look what's happened to us
1: not Great. not it not like the Hindenburg crashing
2: yeah oh, oh the humanity, humanity
1: right? <laughs> which really this was uh it really was the Hindenburg of yeah. finishes because yeah. it was it was not expected to be anything other than just routine you know either gonna make it or not, and away it went. Yeah, yeah, I
2: guess it would have been overtime, right?
1: A uh, couple other things about uh, the weekend games, the 82, 83, and then 92 games. The abundance of worthless white guys <laughs> at the end of the bench, Andy. This needs yeah. to be discussed. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, the John Thompson has taken a rap for not recruiting white players. And for most of his run at Georgetown, he didn't have them. But I did notice in watching the 82 game, which I remember watching live, that was, you know, Patrick Ewing getting the goaltending on like the first three shots North Carolina took under the instruction of uh, Thompson to do that, that there were a couple of uh, white guys on the bench for them. Sure. he, and he'd been there like six years. He hadn't re, he hadn't uh, inherited those guys. So he did have some white players early on. Um, they were not key players, but they were on the team.
1: My point is that as I watched these games again, I saw some of these white kids at the end of the bench, and I said, there is no way any of them would be useful if you had to actually put them in the game. Would yeah, you agree?
2: Well, there's there's still some, some of those walk-ons, though. No,
1: no, no. I am here to tell you that the worst player – on today's end of the bench in college basketball can go in the game and be a credible contributor. Some of the guys that were on the end of benches were completely worthless, which is uh-huh. surprising to me. No, I'm serious, Andy. Do you remember the guy for Duke by the name of Jay Heaps?
2: I remember the name. I don't remember seeing Jay, Heaps,
1: Jay Heaps was a soccer player, yeah. and he was on the end of Krzyzewski's bench for four years. Years immediately upon graduation, he went and played professionally in the MLS and had a decent career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Andy, that doesn't happen today. That does not happen today. You show me worthless soccer players on the end of major D1 benches. I defy it. Well-
2: we had an unusual situation with Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament. They actually did play a game before they called the thing off, but uh, they had to take a couple of guys off the football team to fill out the roster. Yeah, and, and they got they got housed in the wherever they played, and maybe it was Minnesota, and um, and then they put those guys in at the end of the game. They actually played. They were, and one of them looked like a lineman wearing a basketball uniform.
1: Right, exactly.
2: But – but uh, you know, look, okay. I think I think all schools have some walk-ons. grandson, I think, is on the Duke team, isn't
1: he? Well, that's the thing. He... Some some people say the end of the bench spots are yeah. basically patronage spots. Therefore, right. powerful, connected boosters who ki- whose kid was decent enough that it's not an embarrassment put him on, but hmm. they'll never ever use them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, George Murison's son was a four-year walk-on at Georgetown, but they had so many injuries and transfers this year. He played. He played quite a bit at the end really? of the season. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> another thing that was striking about the old school games, the lack of a three-pointer and a shot clock.
2: Yeah, that that was bizarre. And that's, you know, the the year that uh, Georgetown lost to Villanova, I guess they didn't show that, but that that game – there was, I think, a three-point line, but there was not a shot clock, or maybe there was neither. But that that played a big role in that game, in that Villanova was able to hold the ball and take the, the exact shot that they wanted. Right. Yeah, if that game is played with a shot clock, it's a different ball game.
1: Why didn't they play that Villanova game? Maybe they'll play it coming up this coming weekend.
2: They, you know, this this isn't going <laughs> to end tomorrow. There's, no. there's going to be lots of weekends for this.
1: Yeah, uh, also, I noticed the absolute timidity... Towards driving to the hole.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody
1: took it to the fucking hole. Clyde Drexler in that 82 game had the ball no more than 12 feet from the basket, just left of the lane, right at the elbow. Nobody was guarding him within a couple of feet, and he pulled it back out.
2: Yeah, although... Clyde
1: Drexler.
2: However, the, the same Clyde Drexler... The 83 team that played in the semifinals, the team that lost to NC State in the championship, in the semifinals, they played a game against Louisville, the Doctors of Dunk, that was an unbelievable dunk festival on both ends of the floor. Right. So it just depended on the team. The other okay. thing is. Well, I
1: guess that they, was the strategy then.
2: Yeah. And, and also, you have to remember that centers were in college in those days. Yeah. So whereas, you know, Big Man is in the NBA. Big men were still in college and a guy like Ewing, they were afraid to, you know, to drive the lane on.
1: Another point, the insanity of no score on the screen. It was like you had to sit there with a pen and paper going, Okay, what's the score right now? All right, let me keep up with this. So infuriating.
2: You know when that started? And 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 it's 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 amazing. Fox football
1: in the nineties.
2: We when Fox got the NFL rights in ninety-four away from CBS, and they put that little box in the corner, and you went, oh, what's that doing there? Huh, huh. And now, if it disappears for half a second, wait a minute, what's the score?
1: Right, How much time's left? Holy shit, so- wait, did they add those two points or
2: not? I didn't look. Oh, my God, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so it was an unbelievable game changer for all sports.
1: Yeah, and then the last thing that was notable, the shittiness of the picture.
2: i knew you
1: well well, i know but think about it cbs ran i'm sure the most pristine copy of those games they had all right and they have been preserved they have been digitally fluffed up and focused and sharpened and they still suck and that four by three aspect ratio oh it's a square yay can you imagine
2: but here, here, you're watching it. Uh, maybe was you on your hundred inch? I've got a sixty inch. Okay, so on a sixty inch TV, you've blown it up. That picture was meant as big screen. Then twenty six inches, maybe a thirty two, if you really had a big set.
1: So oh, the- I know, I know that. And of course, the display capabilities of a tube television with yeah. ghosting and artifacts and V hold issues and other shit, static as well, because it was analog
2: crazy yeah, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a friend he, he, he proudly showed me this is the biggest tube tv they make 36 inches look at that thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> the biggest one they make and then yeah. they're like yeah never mind yeah. uh okay uh let's see here are you surprised the redskins have no interest in cam or jameis winston
2: i'm very encouraged by that um but i'm also there there also is that possibility that Uh, Snyder has nixed it because of how it would make Haskins feel I'm not I'm not enamored with either one of them I think the upside on Winston may be a little bit better I think Newton's been hurt too much and I don't really know we know what he what he's going to bring but 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 you're
1: encouraged by the fact that they don't seem to be in the market
2: for either guy Unless, you know, unless Rivera is, is pounding on Snyder's door and saying, look, I coach camp, we went to a Super Bowl, I can get the most out of him And Snyder's saying no, that that would be discouraging in that Snyder is still too much involved for my taste. Right.
1: Uh, are you surprised that Jameis and or Winston have not been? snapped up yet yeah, Jameis would have to be traded for but still
2: yeah i think they're waiting on winston to be released and every the the, the everybody's saying he's going to wind up with the chargers that that's the fit for him and they haven't really signed they got tyrod taylor as as their quarterback so that's probably where he's going to wind up with the chargers and i don't know i guess you know somebody's going to wait around until they figure eh, winston's worth a shot you, you think you think belichick could take a shot at him or no
1: um yeah, everyone's wondering right and yeah. they, they sign hoyer right. who is as who is it that said he's great as long as you don't have to use him
2: that was larry weissman but he was talking about todd collins <laughs> <laughs> and collins wound up being good for half the season oh
1: yeah. my god it's unbelievable yeah. yeah uh did you read the seth wickersham piece on the brady I belichick did. split i highlighted it here on this podcast yesterday
2: yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised. A lot of the stuff that was thrown around at the time was that was poo pooed. or was actually true, and I could see after 20 years of, of grumble, grumble, grumble that you know when you don't win one year, it finally it's you know the fan and you got to go, and that's what happened this year. I mean, the year before it sounded like it was going to go in that direction, but they wound up winning the Super Bowl. But you know, it's time. It was time.
1: It's uh, it's remarkable that you think that grown men who both have had such insane success with each other mm-hmm. couldn't come together and go, look, you know, let's be reasonable here. Or I appreciate like the fact that they said there was a blow up at the last face to face meeting between Brady and Belichick is pretty startling to me.
2: Well, one, one thing about Brady that, that I was reading in that, that's, I think is really important. He is committed to playing to 45, so what he is saying is he wants That's, a contract, which is what he's got now. They can't franchise him for two more and, years. Yeah, but he's he's looking to play three.
1: Oh, what so is, he, I thought he was forty-three now.
2: He'll be forty-three next year, so he'd play okay. at age the age forty-three scene, season is called. He would say the age forty-four right. season. And then he might want another one. And they can't franchise him for that third year. So it's possible he's, he's going to try. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. And I think Belichick also realizes, look, when these guys get to be this age, they can fall off a cliff like that. Sure. And I don't want to be stuck with him for two more years when I don't really think you know that he could play that long. Maybe he can, but I'm not going to be the, the the test case to find out.
1: Yeah. All right, Andy, keep yourself occupied. Stay safe. Godspeed, my friend. It's always good to talk to you.
2: All right, Sam. Take
1: care. There you go. I'll end on this today. This is definitely some chicken soup for the troubled soul in these times. Nick Heath, who is a play-by-play commentator and journalist, For Rugby Union, which is a different form of rugby, there's traditional rugby and then Rugby Union, and I don't know the difference, but I'm sure somebody is going to email me and help sort me out. Uh, Here is Nick Heath, who has decided, like a number of broadcasters now, to start doing play-by-play of submissions from people just doing random stuff. In this case, he's doing play-by-play of just two dogs In an open park, chasing each other, one brown, one black. Oh, hold on a second. I had that all set up, and I had the wrong slider. One brown... And one black. Well, you join me live for what I've been told is the tooting dogging final.
0: And these two, Vanilla and Chocolate, uh, doing vanilla, really well here. Vanilla chocolate. just over the hillock in the distance. Chocolate in
2: hot pursuit. There's been some lovely footwork. And there it is again from Vanilla. That's excellent. The Spaniel now out in front. And that's confused
0: the hell out of it. Doesn't know where it is. Twisting and turning. This Vanilla is such a worthy champion. Scampering away. Are we going to get a second lap? It's just beginning to build up. No, no. She breaks it off just as quickly as she started it. Spaniel all at sixes and sevens. Quick whittle
2: after that one, I should think. Lovely. (laughs) I just love it. I
1: don't even know what half of his words were. Quick whittle after that. Uh, There is something about that accent and a call like that. Just two stupid dogs running around the park. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you so much again for downloading and listening to this ZabeCast during these times. We appreciate it. And we will keep chugging on, chugging on. And get through this to the other side, no matter how long it takes. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday. And we will see you next time. Grandparents. At Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. You're the family historians. You fill your closets with heirlooms, family photos, and letters from long ago. You're always planning the next family reunion, even at the reunion. Because for you, time well spent is time spent on them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.
0: Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty?